Welcome to Connected, a podcast with Jess. That's me. Connections are the secret to a whole life. Recognizing the connections between us and within us, mind, body, and soul, reveals the fullest potential of our humanity. Join me as I discover what connects us to each other and to ourselves. Your mind, body, and soul were not meant to live disconnected from each other. Putting all the beautiful parts of you into one breathtakingly whole experience is what you deserve. As a life coach, I work to support your story. Together, we can set free the story of you. I bring guests onto my show so that you can hear powerful stories of other women all across the world. I want you to see how profoundly important living and telling stories is. I understand what it feels like to live under expectations and programming that are not aligned with who you are. I learned to write my own story in my year of Jess, and I want to guide you as you write the story of you. Your beauty, power, and value are already in there, in you. It's time to rise into it and uncage the limitless experience that is you. You've been held back for far too long. It's time, time to take your pen back and write the story of you. If this makes your heart leap even just a little bit, let's talk. You can find out more about working with me on my website at jessicatravis.com. I hope to hear from you soon. Okay, today I am super excited uh, to have um, my very first uh, life coach ever on my podcast. And um, she's she's kind of responsible for a lot of things that have happened um, in uh, like life choices and stuff because she, yeah, we'll talk more about that. But But I have Madison Morgan with me today, and um, I'm really excited to share with you guys um, how Madison and I met and what connected us to each other and how she was um, a big part of my journey. And so I'm going to start with a question I ask all my guests. Madison, who are you? Mm, I feel like this is such a big question, question, right? Yeah. Um, So... My name is Madison. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a cis woman living in the Midwest in the Bible Belt. I am a life coach, which you alluded to. And I think like the, what I really am realizing my deep love and why I love life coaching is I love the art of conversation and facilitation. Mm-hmm. So I'm a lover of conversation, a lover of facilitation, if I could even say it. And I really love people 
So I also host a podcast. I host conversations there, group conversations, one-on-one conversations, all with the, the aim that we can be honest with ourselves and be in honest relationship. And that includes spirituality, obviously self, mm-hmm. and then our relationships to others, the earth. Yeah, I could go on, but I think that's enough. <laughs> well, um, there's there's so many questions I have for you just in that little uh, bio of yourself, um, because um, you've always been in the position with me of asking me the questions. So this uh-huh. is like a real flip for me. Um, uh, because there's, uh, I think there's been, um, conversations that we've sort of started along the way over the last, what has it been like a year and a half? And, um, it's, I wow, th- that's it. Yeah. Only a year and a half. I think so. Cause I think it was Whoa. in April that in May or April that I did awaken her soul, which is your, mm-hmm. um, kind of signature, um, group coaching. Um, I actually found out about that through, um, I think it was something that Hillary McBride had reposted like a, a share of yours or something. And, um, and I just really resonated with some things that you were saying, um, and thought this might be the next step for me. I have never done this before. I love group environments. So this was so up my alley. I think it was a little intimidating to think about being one-on-one with a life coach, but the idea of being in a, a group atmosphere was really, um, uh, it was very interesting to me at a very poignant uh, point in my life. Describe, yeah. um, describe for our listeners what Awaken Her Soul is. Yeah. So essentially Awaken Her Soul is a group conversation that facilitates a conversation with yourself. <laughs> it's like to, to the most simple terms, but the objective is to help you reprogram your brain by deprogramming the stories that are simply no longer working and the patterns that are no longer working. And so often with people who go through the program, I mean, I've had people take it around body image to their money story, but so whatever, whatever story you bring to it is the story you can deconstruct, mm-hmm. but essentially it is built on a death and rebirth sort of flow. Mm-hmm. So the first month is about what's no longer working, what's no longer serving you and the death to the old identities that are really holding us back. The second month is, well, if you're not those stories, if you're not who you've been told that you are, who are you? So it's connecting to your true essence what I, what I call your soul. And then the third month is if that's who you are, then what does a life aligned to that person Mm. look like? So to me, it's really about alignment, but a lot of it is a combination of coaching, which is that facilitation of like self inquiry Mm. and just asking yourself really deep questions with tools and community. So it's like, you're not, you're asking these questions where a lot of people feel like they're having an existential crisis because they're (laughs) like, be it they're going through a divorce or a big change, their faith is changing. And anytime those external things change, like 2020 is kind of that kind of year for a lot of us, Mm -hmm. things are changing. And it's like, okay, all these identities that I previously, like they made up who I am and the relationships I have, they're transitioning. And so I'm in, I'm in the void. I'm in the liminal space. Mm. And so it kind of embraces that liminal space as an opportunity to reprogram those stories and live something more true. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, what was interesting when I think the thing I raised, uh, resonated with when I first found you was the phrase awaken her soul. And, um, because I felt like there was something, you know, you just get that feeling that, okay, I've been doing the same thing this way all along. <laughs> it's not really working anymore. So yeah. what do I need to do next? And the idea of, or the the feeling that comes through that phrase to awaken something sounded exciting. It sounded hard. It sounded <laughs> scary. Um, it sounded like there might be something on the other side that I really want out of this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so when I jumped into awaken her soul, I would have told you I was doing it for one reason. And when I came out of awaken her soul, it was for a, whole other set of reasons or I guess epiphanies along the way or or growth processes that I went through that may have been triggered by that first reason that there was so much more. Yeah. Yes. I often actually with new clients, I, I want them to go like one-on-one clients. I often want them to experience Awaken Her Soul first because like as a coach, people want, you know, to achieve their goals. But if those goals aren't aligned to who they actually are, even if we formulate the perfect strategy and I help them get there, they're going to be unsatisfied. Mm -hmm. So stripping back all of those selves and then getting to what you really want, what you're really here for, that's more interesting. And I I love that that was your experience because that's what I often tell Mm -hmm. people, take awaken her soul before we do one-on-one coaching. Yeah. No, I, I, I honestly, at that point in my life, could not have imagined doing one-on-one coaching without the, the freedom of Awaken Her Soul to, to process the space that it provided to process. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the community, um, we had a great group of girls in there that were just very um, respectful of the, the space and the conversation that we had um, throughout the session. And um, it just provided... Uh, provided the opportunity to say some things out loud that you didn't know you needed to say. Yeah. And so one of the things, um, you know, you were part of my, as my husband calls it, my year of Jess. So I've talked about it on other podcasts. I've talked about it on my blog, but it's, um, it it started out as a a way to heal from um, my craniotomies. And I thought I was entering a year of, um, healing my body. Let's fix my body so that I can run again. Let's, um, let's see what I can do to get, you know, healed through this physical thing. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to have a strong body. Right. And so (laughs) I come into this new face. My face looked different. My face did weird things. It has weird nerve issues. Um, and it just didn't feel like me. And so I thought, okay, what if I just figured out a little bit more about me in this new body? How do I have a relationship with the two of them when they don't feel like they kind of go together anymore? Mm -hmm. And what I ended up finding was that (laughs) what started out as as one body part or one uh, aspect of myself turned into the whole part of me. So it wasn't just my body, it was my mind, it was my relationships, it was my soul, it was my faith structures, it was the, you know, the, 
um, environments I was choosing to put myself in, um, you know, work and otherwise, and, um, and to try and bring all of those parts of me into one cohesive experience. Um, that's some scary shit. Like like you just, you don't know what you're going to find. And I felt like the, the space that you provided for us was truly sacred. There was, Mm. there was no way we were going to do something wrong. We weren't going to say something wrong. We weren't going to figure out something wrong. Right. There was no fail in it. And, um, but it was an opportunity to think outside of the box that we came in. Mm -hmm. And you and I share a box <laughs> that uh, that we kind of we have different stories and how we got there, but it was this box around evangelical Christianity that um, that was so much a part of this I, um, this process of aligning to myself, um, and so that's a, a little bit of what I would love to talk about. I know that you've done um, multiple podcasts with great conversations. I'm a sucker for your podcasts on this topic um, because there's uh, such a beautiful um, process for you in moving through um, aligning yourself with what it is you believe about uh, divine. What do you believe about humanity? What do you what you believe about yourself? And um, I would love to be able to talk about some part of that. Maybe you haven't talked about yet. Um, something that um, I know that when when we were in Awaken Our Soul, you were going through, um, um, <laughs> we would have never known it unless you communicated it with us, but you were really going through a lot of letting go of some, some old programming and moving into some very uh, new, uh, I don't, I don't know what the right word is. Um, I don't necessarily want to say identity or expression because I feel like those are a bit limiting, but, um, a new, um, experience of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, we've talked around a lot of the things that we have struggled with in that evangelical Christianity box, but I would love to know what you are aligned with now? What is it that sit, mm. sits with Madison now that brings you life and movement to, to do the work that you want to do, but to be aligned with you? Mm. Interesting. This is so fun. I, you know, I really resisted talking about faith deconstruction. Like I've been asked to be on a few podcasts yeah. about it. And for some reason, I just, up until very, like literally the last three weeks, I've been very resistant to want to talk about it too much. Um, because I, you know, I felt like even where I live, I was like one of the first people that I knew to actually kind of go public with not wanting to be in that culture anymore and ask really difficult questions. And even the people I knew who were willing to leave evangelical Christianity or willing to, you know, go to a more liberal church or right. like loosen their grip on the, the tightness around that fundamentalist view. I didn't feel in my personal life, there were many people willing to actually like walk that road with me. It was very much like, oh, Madison's just so extreme and especially the men Mm-hmm. because I'm someone who really gets on theology and a right. Christian framework really allows only men 
to do that. And so even whenever I was in evangelicalism, it wasn't something that I felt like I really had a place and I couldn't quite figure out why. And then in leaving, I was really frustrated that I was asking these really difficult questions. And I was like, I had to go online to really find my people. Mm -hmm. And it's just been in the last six months. And I actually think it's because of the election and what has happened yeah. in, uh, with Donald Trump is I'm seeing people in my, from my real life start to be like, Hey, I want to talk about this. I need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that was going to happen because, you know, you alluded to that, you know, that's that second death and rebirth that I went through. The first felt like when God died, Christianity died. Mm. And the second one I was, you know, I got married at 20 and I had a really like, I don't say rough upbringing, like maybe from the outside people wouldn't have known. I, but I had a, a lot, a lot of early childhood trauma and a really unstable home life. And so church and God were like that, that place for me where I felt mm. loved and accepted and Christ's message made so much sense. And I also got married super young, looking for a sense of family mm-hmm. and, you know, doing it right and being the good girl and all mm-hmm. the things. But the summer that I was hosting Awaken Her Soul, where I was holding space for you in that group, I was also simultaneously deconstructing marriage, realizing that I had a more open sexuality, a more expansive a more ex- expansive sexuality than I had mm-hmm. even previously realized. It wasn't something that... I had been hiding as a secret and, you know, needed to come out to others. Like I didn't, hadn't known much mm. because of that combination of sexual trauma and then purity culture. Right. It made so much sense to like, just not have access to it until yeah. it was safe. So I, long story short, left a nine-year relationship. I was married for seven years to the day, like mm. literally to the day. And decided to start dating a woman. And thank goodness Glennon Doyle wrote a book oh about a very similar experience because right? it kind of, it kind of like it, she wrote that book and published it after all that had happened, yeah. but it kind of like left a lot of explaining I didn't have to do. Right. <laughs> right. I, I think of you so much. I'm listening to it um, on audio right now, which is really yeah. awesome. It's Glennon who, who reads it. Oh, cool. Um, I love when they do that. Yeah. And, um, but I think of you often in that because I feel like uh, there's, there's some similarities into what you had to pull out and, um, and discover about yourself that mm-hmm. has to do with sexuality, but yet it doesn't too. Like, yeah, it's, it's just all of it. What's been so shocking to me is the internalized hatred of the female form and of women's bodies. And like just realizing through this relationship how I didn't even know I was living according to how I thought men viewed me. And so I wasn't seeking attention from men or the male gaze. Mm-hmm. And so I, I still identify as a femme woman, femme cis, cis woman who is queer. But it is so interesting to be like, no, I actually just like live in freedom and I do, I do what feels good to me. It's a whole different level of like the purity culture stuff bubbling up 
Right. Whereas like I thought I had dealt with it. And then it circles back again of not just is like the sexuality wrong, but like the, the body is bad. The vulva is bad. And yeah, it's been so, it's been such an interesting process. It's definitely been, I would say like, like a crash course in healing from things I didn't even know that I had internalized. That that's probably my my biggest uh, takeaway right now in what it is that I'm the layers that I'm peeling back. Mm-hmm. That once you once you see, you can't unsee, right? So when you start to recognize, like what you just said about how the female body is portrayed and and experienced in the world, mm-hmm. um, once you once you pull back that curtain you start to see it everywhere. You start to see in how we interact um, socially, jobs, all of that. That seems like that's kind of the the big one, right? We understand um, our role in the world, but it is, it's the other things. It's the conversations you have with yourself. It's the Mm. expectations you have with yourself. Um, Glennon says, I'm going to terribly paraphrase this, but um, she just, the part in the book that I'm at, she talked about how she knew how to be desirable mm-hmm. to be the things that the world that a man that um was expected of her um she knew how to be desire but to actually desire was a whole nother level yes understanding what that was um does that connect with you oh i mean it absolutely connects with me especially that I didn't realize that my entire relationship with my own sexuality had always been centered on men and, you know, either protecting men or seducing men or fulfilling Mm -hmm. a man's desires. And that had to do with my actions, but also had to do with the way that I managed my own body and realizing like my girlfriend is taller than me. She's has a bigger stature than me. She's not a small petite woman. And it has just, it has me questioning why I have invested so much in that narrative myself. Mm-hmm. And even the idea, I'm a, like an A-cup small-breasted woman. And I just realized like that doesn't matter. Yeah. And for some reason, my whole life, I really, you know, growing up, I, my mom had a really small breast and I could, and she got fake breasts whenever I was 13. And I distinctly remember my stepdad saying, and he still says it, that it's the best investment he's ever made. So mm. that's like the kind of programming that I received, <laughs> not just in the media, but like very overtly and obviously in the home. And so I just had so much shame around being like, it's, you know, you want to be petite, but not in this way. And I'm right. petite, but I don't have the right curvature and all of these strange right. narratives. Thank, thank goodness I never... Um, it never manifested in any disordered eating, mm-hmm. but it man- it did manifest in chronic just feeling like I wasn't enough. Yeah. And that this idea that, you know, in the church, I was taught that if you're not fulfilling your husband's needs sexually, then he's going to go do other things mm-hmm. or masturbation is a sin and oh, belonging to your own body. Like all of these 
Yeah. All of these things that are all tied up that actually aren't connected. (laughs) Other people's choices have everything to do with their decisions and what they're doing with their body and how I'm fulfilling. I'm putting that in air quotes for those who are listening. I'm fulfilling another person. Does, like, I don't get to keep track of their integrity by the way that I'm performing. Mm-hmm. And I really, really had struggled with that in the beginning of my relationship with Jamie because it, you know, it, it being in a safe space can open up trauma. Mm-hmm. Like finally, your body finally landing. Yeah. So I've actually had to deal with some sexual trauma that I hadn't previously looked at because my body felt safe enough. And that it meant for me that I had to start saying no and tapping into what does no feel like in this area whenever I'm not just mm-hmm. trying to appease and please a partner, but saying like, I want this, I don't want this. This is yeah. what I want. This is what I don't want. And the insecurity that that brought up in me, that I wasn't, that it was wrong for me to say no, noticing myself saying, are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? Whenever I like just... Mm asserted what I wanted or said, I'm no, I'm like literally too tired, you know, like, uh, and also the flip side of that is I was embarrassed for going after what I wanted. Hmm. I was going to say, isn't the flip side also, it's as hard to say what you want as it is what you don't want to say Yes. yes, as it is to say no. Yes. Like I realized in you know, in the last, it's been about a year and a half that I have been like speaking openly about this in my private life. And then, you know, obviously on social media, eventually, um, that I didn't realize that I never really had a connection to what I wanted and what felt Mm -hmm. good to me and what my, I had learned so skillfully to manage my body's experience Mm -hmm. to where I could override it with my mind. Mm-hmm. And I look back and I realize like all the, the signs of my body's attraction to women was there, but I would dismiss it. I would shut it down. I would say like, you know, and I think we learn to do that around food. We learn not to do that around sexuality. We learn to do right. that around what we, all these different things that we want. And I, I never questioned it. I never questioned it until now when I'm realizing, oh, I'm struggling to go after what I want. And in this area, and that's actually affecting Mm -hmm. all of these other areas. And I think, you know, you mentioned spirituality, and I think that includes spirituality because I find myself, especially this year, craving spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. And again, feeling like there are rules about what I'm allowed to do Mm -hmm. and what I'm not allowed to do regarding like, if it's, if I go back to, if I pray you know, these are stories I've had. Yeah. Am I going back to something that didn't serve me? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, desire, goodness. There's so many threads here. I'll, I'll hand it back to you because I don't know where well, you want to guide well, me. Well, <laughs> I, I, I do have one because you just posted something today that I just went, ah, yeah. Uh-huh. And you've talked about this before um, within your life coaching um, circles. And um you talk about being a good girl and mm-hmm. um, moving away from this good girl mentality, which I think 
has everything with body image. It has everything with spirituality. It has everything with our, our upbringing, our faith structures. Like it's a really, it could be a really tangled mess. Right. Um, but this idea that, uh, am I trying to just be the good girl that I know I'm supposed to, um, or am I authentically just good? Like mm-hmm. it's a practice of being good. I just am good. Yeah. And this post that you did today, I'm going to read it because I just thought it was, it was awesome. You ask a couple of questions. How has the concept of who is a good person shifted for you in 2020? And honestly, Madison, I just wouldn't even limit it to 2020, but <laughs> yeah. it's, I mean, it's just, a, it's a, it's a big question, but I think especially with the things that we have seen um, take place in our country this year. And then you ask, is this new definition of good giving you space to be fully human? Such a loaded question. Yeah. I, I, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's on purpose. I know, I know. And, and I think that's one of the things I have loved about conversation, um, that listening to your conversation with other people, but, but having it within our groups and stuff has been that, that this, this drive for being authentic to who I am, um, is like the new plumb line to decide, does it stay or does it go? Mm-hmm. And to, is my goal to be the good girl keeping me from actually being fully human. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a huge like checks and balance for me. Yeah. Um, and then the last one you said, um, who is the judge of good for you right now? How will you know when you've made it there? Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Like there's like, <laughs> this is so everyone into an existential I, I, crisis. Like right? that's all. <laughs> that's all. <Yeah. laughs> Um, but but honestly, Madison, this was this was probably the core of what struck me in my work with you mm. during that time was um, <laughs> you you have this you love to dance you just you just love to dance I love to dance and yes. um, and I I love when you post uh, uh, videos of yourself dancing and just um, being in that moment and being so present with yourself like that and um, but I'll tell you. It's like, it's this thing that I want the freedom that I see with you. And yet there's this part of me that's like, I don't know how to get there because it is this, it's this good girl thing. Uh Good girls, pastor's wives don't dance, you know, um, moms of 46 don't dance like these, these, Mm. these, um, scripts that are, are just there, um, Uh that hold back something as simple as being present in your body and, and playing music and just dancing, right? Mm-hmm. And and when we get so we get so bound up, like I was paralyzed <laughs> during our um, our work and awaken her soul with this idea. It was like I kept coming back to this. Why can't I dance? I just need to throw a video on. I just need to throw some music on. I don't have to have anybody in the room. I'm just going to dance. And frick, I couldn't do it. Like it yeah. was just, it was so bound up in this idea of what uh, the good girl in me had, mm. had a narrative that I couldn't escape at that time. Mm-hmm. So, Isn't talk- so insidious. I, when I've been loving this intake, mm-hmm. they're dancers. I don't know if you've oh been in gosh. the Facebook group. There's just they- video after video after video. They're all dancing. I'm like, <laughs> do they just pay me to like dance in the mm-hmm. Facebook group? I think they might have 
which cool. That's like, that is the work for me. But you know, the, that post came from me realizing that I was starting to, there were, there were certain people specifically in the activism space Mm -hmm. right now who I'm, who I realized I was starting to hold as the judge of good. Mm. Um, because people are really hopping in my DMs, letting Mm. me know what's, what's true according to their perspective and the way that they have heard it and the way that they see it. And are you talking politics specifically? Yes. What's going on? Politics and, um, political correctness and just, you know, a number of things. And it's actually really activated. I talked about this in my podcast with Jamie Lee Finch. I haven't released that episode. It's good. We talked about how, um, tricky it is to be in the online space with call out and call in culture. And, you know, I was, I was just thinking about this idea of boundaries and who deserves boundaries and who has the right to boundaries, especially with those of us who hold privilege. Um, because, you know, I work with a very interesting demographic of people who so care for social justice and are programmed to be good and therefore tend to lean towards performative activism Mm. because they don't want to get anything wrong and they don't want to offend. And so then it, you know, it's, to me, that's contempt. It's actually not transformative. Nothing has changed. Mm -hmm. It's, I was really good in this space with the church. And then I just transferred being, you know, the good white woman Mm -hmm. onto the activism space. And I was thinking about as long as the the, the source, the judge of goodness, the judge of worthiness, the judge of wholeness is on the outside of us, our integrity Mm -hmm. will never be congruent. Mm -hmm. We We will never be actually congruent because we will always fear showing up as we actually are. And as we actually are is messy and hypocritical and it's not (laughs) as perfect as we would like it to be. Even if we hold values of equity and equality, Mm -hmm. we don't always act in ways that would uphold that. And we don't always know when we're acting in ways that don't uphold that we have to be informed. And so it's this, to me, it felt important right now because I'm, I, I talk about this a lot whenever people don't do the deprogramming work and they only focus on learning the new right behavior, right? right. The, the new right way to be right, the new right way to be good, regardless if that is, you know, left or right or in the church or outside of the church, this tendency, like then no critical questions can be asked. There can be no nuance you know, we, we can talk about a vaccine conversation. Are we, are we talking about mandated vaccines or, you know, what's the right, if, if you're saying I'm not for mandated vaccines, are you now queuing on? And there's just such little room right. for nuance. Right. And I actually think that that is part of what's caused our country in America to get where it is. So all of that to say, I think being able to be sovereign, that's, that was really the the goal Mm -hmm. of the post is like, actually like you're innately good. And sometimes your behavior sucks and Mm -hmm. that's okay. Mm -hmm. And also you're innately good and someone else's rules don't get to just come into your life and totally 
cause you to be outside yourself and to start appeasing Mm -hmm. because that's, um, actually not liberatory. I, it's contemptuous. It's actually saying, um, because you are this minority, because you're different in this way, because I hold more privilege than you, you get to speak on the behalf of everyone like you. Mm. And that's, that's no, that's not it. And that, that actually doesn't create any more freedom. It's operating on the same rules of hierarchy of worthiness. So yeah, I think it's also just really good to be asking who are we deeming as good and bad right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really hard. I'm it is. certainly upset at a lot of people right now and I'm making a lot of people bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it wasn't coming from a place of I'm not doing this. It was coming from... I shall contemplate (laughs) on my my behavior and my judgments. Yeah. I, I, we, my husband and I talk about this on our other podcast, um, a lot, just this, this polarizing space that we exist in right now where it's either Mm -hmm. this or it has to be this. And what if it's just all of it? What if it's, what if it's so much more collective than that? And if we actually gave ourselves the freedom, the, the safety, the permission to say, but I can let all those things in. And then mm. I can decide if something gets let go of, you know, yeah. um, it's, it's a very, um, it, it's very, uh, I think it's a bit anti-American, like our cultural to be, um, open to, uh, the, the opposites actually existing at the same time or seemingly opposites existing at the same time. And it's definitely not, um, something that we experience in evangelical Christianity that it's okay to have bigger, grander thoughts of what this Mm. might look like. Um, Mm. One of the things you sparked kind of a thought for me was, um, and I don't remember if we ever talked about this in coaching, but um, this idea that we've come with, with, um, for me, growing up completely immersed in um, Christianity, growing up with this idea that that Eve um, was the fall of humanity it's, it's all her fault. Right. And, um, and that we, um, we work out of that premise that I'm already not good. I'm already striving from birth. There's nothing I can do about it. I am striving to be good. Right. Mm -hmm. And this idea of just being, but I am good. Mm -hmm. Like it's a, it's, it's just an existence. It's not something I do more of. Um, Obviously, our behavior can <laughs> reflect a lot of different things, our choices, all of that. But this, if stepping out of that mindset that I began bad and I mm. have to work towards being good, it, it shifts everything. It shifts your, um, your interaction, particularly for women, I think. It shifts your interaction with, um, with other men. It shifts your interaction with other women we already decide we're all bad and we're going to, you know, take each other down on our way out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, it also, I think, directly affects our, our body image and ourself, our sexuality and how we um, interact with the world as in terms of shame. Um, mm. So grabbing this, this uh, concept that um, what, how am I defining, defining good outside of myself um, that's a big onion to unpeel. Uh-huh. 
like there's it's lot, huge. There's <laughs> lots of layers there. And the more I contemplated this, I looked at this on my lunch hour and then I looked at it again later after I got off work and I'm like, there's just layers to this. Like I just I keep going there and keep um finding myself um asking the question. It's a great um self reflection. What am I mm-hmm. actually how am I actually defining this? Um so did you answer your own questions? Mm. Well, I mostly journal even in questions. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, I started with the first question and as I was contemplating it, those other two questions came. came. I guess it was three more questions. And, you know, I don't know if there is a definite answer because I'm observing, it's more of a self-observation for Mm -hmm. me. And why I love questions so much is I think self-observation is part of reprogramming and part of Mm -hmm. healing. And, you know, I'm starting to watch it through my conversation. Now this question is a part of my reflection. Oh, this is the kind of person that I've decided is bad now because, Mm -hmm. you know, where I'm deciding someone is good. I'm also deciding someone is bad. So I'm starting to notice in my conversation, who am I judging? Mm. Um, where do I make excuses for that? So like even judging certain people for flying across the country, but then having a retreat last weekend Mm. and like where, where I'm making what I'm doing. Okay. And where I'm making what other people are doing, not okay. And, you know, they're from, COVID to politics to the way people are handling politics, certainly on my Facebook page of people who are like from high school, there's just, (laughs) who knows what's about to happen there. Um, You know, for me, it's a lot of uh, the the quick judgments are people who are voting for Trump are wrong. People who are anti-maskers are wrong. Mm -hmm. People, you know, and so I, and then it's people who are extreme on the other side are wrong. Mm -hmm. And so what I realized within myself is a lot of, um, I actually hold quite a nuanced and also middle path view on a number of things and not on all things. Cause some things I think are, I don't say everything is black. Uh, some things are black and white, but I do think some things like racial injustice, for example, it's like, un- it's unacceptable mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And my whole family is voting for Trump. My parents don't know and don't understand why they're racist mm. and trying to hold that and also understanding why my dad, who is a felon who can't get a job and is discriminated against because of his age now. And because he's a felon understanding how he developed these views mm. and having also people tell me that I, you know, some people believe I should disown mm-hmm. members of my family and, you know, or tell them how it is. And I think all of those questions prompt me to deeper reflection of who am I trying to please? Mm-hmm. And in that pleasing, am I honoring like my deeper values of um, understanding the process, the circular process and taking the time that it comes to wholeness. Whereas if I just wanted my whole family to conform to what I think is best, would there actually be change? Mm -hmm. There actually would deep work actually have been done 
And also, is that my work? And that's a big part of my codependency healing is not just hearing what active, certain activists are saying is what I should do, but also remembering that I have to have sovereignty and I have to have a sense of self and I have to filter it through my own healing and my own nervous system capacity. So to answer the question in short, I have a lot of judgments and where I make people right and wrong, but a lot of it for me comes down to where I don't want to get in trouble and whatever version of good, make sure I'm not in trouble. Mm. And, um, or whatever version of good keeps me in right standing with the people I like, the people I want to like me. Mm. And we could even say that is a tool I think that white women use mm-hmm. to keep ourselves out of the line of fire yeah. from men and uh, to hold, uphold our privilege. So like that's, it's complicated. Oh, it, <laughs> is. That's my answer. it is. That's why, that's why I said they were, they were loaded questions. Um, I, yeah, it's loaded. I, I, it's almost something that you just want to continually be, like you said, reflecting on and, yeah. um, and being self-aware of where am I at in this process. And mm-hmm. a, a lot of times what we tend to do when we go through these massive growth processes is we pendulum swing. We start yeah. out over on one side and we make these big shifts that are very freeing and very um, healing. And we can often, you know, just pendulum <laughs> to the other side and we, and we shake off everything and leave it all behind and realize over time, well, there's some of those things mm-hmm. that I can allow to exist in there. I just have to, I have to learn what it is that I, like you said before, that does this serve me? Um, mm-hmm. and does it, does it get to stay? Um, one of the things that you helped me, um, to unpack, um, uh, there were so many things, um, but, uh, it was in, it was in light of this, but it, it evolved into some conversation about a work environment that I was in. And in the middle of Awaken Her Soul, I ended up, um, quitting my job. Mm-hmm. Um, because of a, uh, gaslighting abusive, um, relationship. And that was one of those things I never expected to going into it would be the work that I did right after mm-hmm. I finished Awaken Her Soul, I head off to Africa with, um, Carly and Hillary, and we do this other work there. And I still think this is all about my body image and learning to live in a craniotomy body and like. you think it's about one thing and here I am the whole time I'm unpacking this stuff. Um, this relationship that I, that was in my life that was so, um, abusive. And it was that, that, uh, appropriateness that was that meeting that marker. It was that outside, um, that outside, uh, I forget the word you used earlier, but that outside influence that is, um, telling me whether or not this is good, whether or not I am. Yeah whether or not, um, I have, uh, I'm appropriate. That was a word I grew up with, you know, women appropriate. appropriate. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. socially appropriate, like how we walk, how we exist in a room, how we exist in space, how we interact with opposite sex, all of that is, mm-hmm. you know, appropriateness and manners and, and, uh, and un- unpacking those things that create a storyline for ourselves um, that don't align with ourselves 
um, we just keep conforming to it more. We keep doing more work. We keep working um, deeper and harder to get to that space. Just bred so much. Mm. Um, really, I think it was without, I never wanted to admit it, but uh, anger underneath because I'm at conflict with myself, this mm-hmm. programming that sits over here of being the good girl. And I'm not talking about being the good girl in versus of being the bad girl, but just the striving to be in that good. Um, it just, uh, it just bred that underlying I'm angry. And if I can't be angry at something else, then I'm angry at me. I'm angry mm-hmm. at what I created myself to, to be in all of this. Um, so the freedom that comes after doing that hard work is that, am I in alignment with myself? Am I, like you used to say, I, or you didn't used to say, you still say, I am my own responsibility mm-hmm. and really taking ownership to, um, not just, uh, well, I would have said I was a really responsible person. Um, that would have been one of those little um, identities that I would have um, loved to absorb. But it was this idea that I am actually able to respond to these outside um, expectations, mm-hmm. outside experiences that are that are telling me who I should be. I am mm-hmm. response, as you said, I am response able. I am able to respond to these. I have the and the ability to make the decision on whether I let that storyline in, whether or not I let that um, um, identity exist, whether it was true for me or not. Um, mm-hmm. That work not is just- over responsible either, which I am hearing right. you say is. Yeah, which I'm finding a lot of women love that I say I'm at my own responsibility because or I am my own responsibility because they take so much responsibility. They like super resonate with that. Right. They're like, yeah, I am. And so let's work harder. But then I also have the other aspect of people who are really upset about it. I was upset. It's interesting. Oh, you were. People often tell me that they did not like it. I, I, I really, uh, it was like dancing. I really balked it (laughs) because (laughs) I was like, I cannot get any more fucking responsible than I am right now. Yeah. I am responsible for too much. I had too much on my plate. And I'm like, I am not only my own responsibility, I am responsible for this and this and this and this and this and this. And And I was just like, I'm done. I can't do anymore. But understanding Mm. that that's not what it meant, that it was, I'm actually able, I have the power to own my responses to all of that that's going around. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, going on around me that was a completely different interaction with the phrase um I I actually hesitated when you know I would repost some stuff that you would do and I was like I don't want to use that hashtag I don't want to use that hashtag (laughs) (laughs) it was it just was one of I didn't usually when I come across things like that I go that yeah that means I need work in this like there is something there I gotta dig out and I've got it that's how it goes isn't it yeah yeah. it comes actually from the Al-Anon tradition which is really interesting um, you know, that they don't say I am my own responsibility, but that's, it's really codependency mm. recovery mm-hmm. and it's codependency healing is, you know, being responsible for our full selves. And yeah, I find it so interesting. The res- I, I love hearing people's responses to it because it is usually an extreme response. Yeah. 
And then they end up taking a wig in her soul. <laughs> and then it's all, it all smooths yeah. out. Yeah. Well, the permission that you gave us to, um, to just, dis- to decide what, um, true self was for each of us. It wasn't something that you said, Hey, this is what I think true self is. And this is what you, you know, should be striving for. Cause that's the last thing we all needed was more striving towards something. Um, mm-hmm. but really giving, um, incredible permission, um, to realign back with that person that we, I think we always knew we were, um, mm-hmm. and then being allowed to step out in that, um, I know for my family, interacting with me on this side of Awaken Her Soul is a very different experience than who they interacted with on the mm. on the previous side. And I would have said before then that I was somebody who was always working at myself, always, um, well, that's what you do in Christianity is you work yeah. on yourself, right? Um, but this was different. This was about mm. um, saying it was okay to be what whatever, whoever wanted to surface. Yeah. And just so different mm-hmm. Then, even in self-help narratives. It's often who we're becoming, mm-hmm. who we're forcing ourselves to be, how we're eradicating the bad, mm-hmm. be the bad sin, whatever, you know, whatever we name that, mm-hmm. you know, looking back at my early twenties, so much of what I was called out for in the church, as far as sin was actually trauma response. Hmm. So, you know, it's so interesting how I developed such a, a self-hatred one coming from an abusive environment where I was like, you know, told that it was bad, but also then choosing abusive Christianity. Like I loved the Mark Driscoll's and, <laughs> you know, the mean John Piper's yeah. and yeah. the ones who like to yell at you. Right. Um, I left those and they were so resonant because, you know, I believed I was bad and I'm, I'm, I will, will say like life is so different and every new octave, every new layer I go in my healing and every new initiation into more depth, I mm-hmm. find this similar programming to overcome. And it's mm-hmm. just, oh, I have a blueprint on how to navigate this even Yesterday, I was talking to Jamie about areas where I was just like not taking responsibility and where I was, I was perpetuating my victimhood. Not that I wasn't a victim in the past, but like I'm so far past even like the healing work, but like in clinging to some old stories. And I was just like, you know, I'm afraid if I let these stories go, then I will have no excuse for how bad I am. you know, heard that same thing of I'm holding on to these stories of the bad things that have happened to me. Because if anyone comes to me to call me out or to, you know, get me in trouble or whatever the thing is, which was very much my programming, my history, I'll have, I'll have reason for why. Mm-hmm. And it won't be my responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so today, you know, I was, I did body work and I was laying on a court with Jamie, Jamie's a yoga therapist. So she has all of these tools for body work around the house. And it's a half deflated, like gorgeous ball. You can Google that. Mm -hmm. And it, um, 
It's basically like a mini bouncy ball that is half deflated and you actually lay on it, on your belly, and you gently let gravity just like do the work. And every time I do this exercise, it helps open up the fascia in the gut mm-hmm. and underneath the rib cage and the diaphragm and disgust. Every single time for me, it's disgust. It's it, which mm. is the same um, vibration, the same energy as shame. They're this, they're actually mm-hmm. shame is the inverted emotion of disgust. Disgust is outward, shame is inward, and so it's it's actually really I'm realizing a good point in my healing where all of that is feeling like disgust, and I can actually name it like something that wants to be out of me. Hmm. Instead of the old, younger versions of myself that were full on operating in this, it was just a a full collapsing Hmm. of like, I'm so bad, then, you know, self isolating and, you know, the whole pattern. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just at this phase, I'm like, okay, how can I feel that all of these things that happened? They did happen and they're disgusting, but I'm not bad because of them. Mm -hmm. Even if I act in human ways as humans do. Yeah. So it's, it's all the same. There, there was something that you did that I don't know if it was profound to you, but it was profound to me Mm. um, in uh, our time in Awaken Our Soul. And we would get on a call, whether it was one-on-one or whether it was in a group. And mind you, I'm dealing with at, at my job um, in, a, in a very, very large way, I'm dealing with abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point that I'm going to a therapist, learning how to breathe, handle the anxiety, all of that. And there was something that you had us do at the beginning of these calls. And it was, you would shut our screens off. Um, on our Zoom calls, and you would shut them off, and you would, you would have this do this full body scan. And I have to be honest; it, as many years as I've spent running, and doing triathlons, and you think you're so engaged and so in touch with how your body functions, it's my, you know, it's it's my machine. I know all its data. I could tell you what my heart rate is any given time of the day. Like as much as I thought I was in tune to my body, sitting there. And being asked to do this full body scan of what is it that I feel at each moment, each process from head to toe or toe to head. I can't remember which direction we went, um, but it was, oh my goodness, I have never just stopped to see what comes up for me mm. when I think about when I get to my stomach, when I get to my heart, when I get to my head. Like this was like an awareness level that I had not experienced before. Mm. I believe now, as I've been doing work, as you know, I did, uh, we, you know, in the retreat to Africa, you know, obviously spending 10 days with Hillary, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of work that goes on there. Um, but I, I'm coming to this place of one of the things that saved me, that woke mm. me up from a gaslighting relationship and allowed me the process to make the decisions that I did to move on and the decisions mm-hmm. to heal from it was connecting with my body yes was actually being able to take when you're when you're in abusive relationships there's always a storyline going on that is conflicting with your true self right 
Yeah, your body knows. Your body knows. And um, so whether it's a physical abuse or it's an emotional abuse of any kind, for me, the gaslighting abuse was all about creating this crazy around me and not being able to orient myself into reality. And coming to a call with you and being asked to sit and to feel myself was, (laughs) I, I honestly believe that it was the catalyst to coming out of crazy and coming back into reality. Like Mm. I, it was my, it was my grounding. It was that, um, like when the whole world is shaking and you've just got to hold on to something, that's what it was. It was saying, no, wait, I can sit here and I'm going to be okay. Like I can, I can feel what's in my stomach and I can give it identity. I can give it cause. I can give it whatever. Like you were saying for you, it was like, I feel disgust. I feel something in here. It creates an emotion. Um, that process was critical for me coming back to reality and being able to say abuser, you sit over here and Jess, you sit over here. Mm -hmm. And then I felt like that was, that was part of the point where I could open up to say, what is my story? Mm -hmm. What is it that I want to tell the world about me? Um, if I had nothing holding me back, who is it that I want to share with the world? Who is it I want to share with me for crying out loud? What experience do I have want to have with myself? Um, Mm -hmm. and, and it was, it was one of those unexpected, um, treasures in the work with you, Mm. um, that I believe I, I call certain people in that year of just my healers Mm. and Carly was one of them. You were strategic in my, in my healing process and moving forward. Um, Hillary obviously was, and there was a few, I had a physical therapist, different people that were take, took their different parts, but this, this moment was, um, was the game changer. Mm. Um, I don't sit still very well. I, I don't. <laughs> Some stop. people don't even do the meditation. I don't think. Some people are like still off running about. Right. Well, medita- meditation is very hard for me because I can't get my brain to shut down. Like that's just I'm a problem solver, and that's what it is. I'm in an enneagram mm-hmm. six, and there is no stopping this brain from figuring shit out. But when I am asked to identify what it is that I am feeling in my body, that that's mm-hmm. sent. That was a new space. That was a new level of healing. And I'm going to risk saying that was Mm anti-Christian for me at that moment. That was anti everything I knew. I was not supposed to engage what it was that my body felt, right? Of course not. I'm supposed to believe. (laughs) I'm supposed to act. This is the the system I'm supposed to be a part of, but I'm not supposed to feel. I'm not supposed to identify those things at that level. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, Madison, you as one of my healers, changed the game. You mm. changed the course of where I went. My family knows it. They're like, who are you talking to tonight? I'm like, Madison. They're like, oh, Madison. Oh, <laughs> well, I think that's what's so fun, right? Is that really, because I, I, I know Hillary and I know Carly mm-hmm. and I, I know that both of them hold this belief as well. Yeah. Is that like the body wants to heal? Yeah. And what we need is a, a container and, and facilitation that allows for that healing to occur. And really like 
what I believe expert facilitation is, is holding the container, then getting out of the way. Because really all I did was prompt you to tune in. Yeah. You didn't even look at me. You had the screens were off. Like you weren't there. You weren't physically there. I wasn't in your yoga studio. I wasn't like it. It was, you just created the space to allow what needed to happen. Yeah. Which is, is what so many of us are missing, especially in evangelicalism. You know, like I was having basically anxiety attacks every Sunday before church Mm-hmm. and not knowing why I felt so scared to go. It was like, what's wrong with my crazy self and just like making myself so wrong? It's like, might there be wisdom here? Might my chronic IBS or my chronic acne be trying to communicate something that I'm refusing to hear? And oddly enough, like even all of my food allergies, all of my food allergies went away when I left mm-hmm. my marriage. Mm-hmm. All of them. I, and I thought like, I, I couldn't figure out what the food allergy was. You know, it was like something was wrong and I was doing all the elimination diets. And the moment I listened to what my, what my body was saying, you mentioned gaslighting mm-hmm. and, you know, so even circling it back to realizing I was attracted to women, realizing I had had that realization and I gaslit myself out of it. Yeah, right. And the ways that we're taught to gaslight ourselves out of our desires of our knowings when something's not right for us. Cause we're trying to be nice, the good girl, mm-hmm. whatever that is. And thank goodness for that person who helped you realize that y- your body was always going to know. And now you'll never unknow that mm-hmm. you will never, in, even when you're doing it to yourself, you'll, you'll probably recognize it so much faster because we do it to ourselves because mm-hmm. we, we've learned how. We have. And what I grew up learning was that as a descendant of Eve, I could not be trusted. Mm-hmm. And so what when I get to this moment um, in my time in Awaken Her Soul, when I can say, wait a minute, it's okay to, to trust me? Like, it's not just okay, it's kind of required that yeah. I trust me. To be and how dangerous. Oh, dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I feel like I'm just tapping the surface. And you and I have had conversations about some other um, beautiful um, healers and life coaches and influencers that are out there um, kind of pushing pushing us to think differently, particularly women, to think differently about our bodies, to think differently about how we interact with ourselves and our sexuality and um, for me, that is definitely one that is I, coming from the purity culture, like hardcore purity culture mm-hmm. and moving into um, a space where I am wrestling with what is okay and what's not okay. Um, this isn't just about like the sexuality you have with another person. It's about your personal sexuality. What do I wear? What do I dress? Um, how do I perceive myself? Is it okay that, um, you know, I wear what I want to wear, or do I always have to think about whether I'm going to make a man stumble? Yeah. Right. Um, but, un, but opening all of those, um, those boxes up and um, require me to trust me mm-hmm. um, to walk down those roads and to allow the expansion of what, what is, <laughs> what is good requires me to trust me. And that, yeah. that work that you're doing in Awaken Her Soul to 
ask us to dive deep into ourself and align with our values and align with um, that deep knowing that we already have. It's already there. Um, giving us permission to do that allows us then to explore all the possibilities of who, who we could possibly be, who we want yeah. to be. Um, so for that, I just, one, I just want to say thank you, Madison, for being mm. one of my healers. Um, but I am so excited about the work that you keep doing. It is exciting to watch as an alumni of Awaken Her Soul to watch um, other women come to these spaces and to post their video of dancing. Um, my dancing moment came in Africa with Hillary yes. and Carly. Um, but, and I will never have videoed it. <laughs> There's way too much wine for that. But, um, but it was just this, uh, this experience. My first thought was, I wish I could text Madison right now. <laughs> Oh my gosh. She would so get this, but, um, but just whatever it is and also being okay. If I don't want to dance, you know, yeah. that's, that's the about, about to me yourself. too. Yeah. And, and that's okay too. And just being, being really fond of me. Mm. Yeah. Right. So however I, you want to express. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's still to be discovered. I'm 46 years old and I think I feel like I'm just beginning to um, give myself the permission daily to say what's possible with with who I get to be, um, mm. what's possible with who I want to be um, and constantly giving myself the permission to say, you know, to the people around me, to my relationships around me, um, uh, that's not what I want. Mm. Um, I want the chai latte. I do not want the Americano, right? Yeah. And I would like oat milk, please. I'd like that's my oh I would like oat milk. milk. I do like oat milk. Not because you do, but I like it because I do. Yes. <laughs> well, it's it tastes better to me, it tastes better hot than all of the other mm-hmm. all of the other milks. Right. So the most frothy yeah. one. I'm so there with you. Um there is so much that you're doing. There's so many beautiful spaces that you're creating. Uh, I see it both in your kind of your personal life, what you're, what you're creating around the election conversation, our politics yeah. and all of that, what you're going to, what you've been continuing to do in Awaken Her Soul. Um, you've got um, some beautiful new programs um, that you are mm-hmm. working with women to continue to help them launch um, the, the most exciting uh, best version of themselves to the world that they can. Um, is there is there anything that you would love to invite people into mm. um, that, because I'm just going to always be excited what you offer and I'm going to be standing in line to be the next one there. Um, but because the work that you do is deep and it's good and it's, mm. it, it, it's, uh, it's life-giving. So what, what are you that. excited about that you want to tell my listeners about? I'm, oh my goodness, I'm entering into a season of writing and only podcasting for a couple months. So that's going to be really nice. I have a podcast called Everything Belongs. If people enjoy podcasts, which I'm assuming they do because they're listening, oh. um, <laughs> check out Everything Belongs. And I am doing 
like monthly gatherings until the next round of Awaken Her Soul will be late February, early March. It'll be the next thing I'm doing as far as like taking mm-hmm. new clients. But I'm doing in everything belongs gatherings. So like for $17 a month, people can just join to like support the podcast. But also I do one Zoom call a month. And like this mm-hmm. month we're actually doing a dance party. So that'll be fun. <laughs> so we're having a dance party for November and then each month, you know, people in the membership get to vote on the topic. And so it's really, it's not the deep work, but it's a place that if you're like, I want to get to know you, but like, like you said, like it can be kind of scary mm-hmm. to invest in coaching. Right. It can be a place like ease, like $17, show up to a call, just get a feel for the energy. Yeah. And, um, I also send monthly journaling prompts to everyone who signs up. So there's journaling prompts. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like, as I'm writing, um, I'm going to be sending the membership pieces of the writing. And this is like all, you know, I, I'm really excited for the, for the current intake of Awaken Her Soul, where I'm still really much focused on serving them. And then the other thing is like my upper level mentorship is Rising Sovereign. And that's really for the women who have like done a lot of the work mm. on rewriting those stories and shifting the narratives. And they're like, how do I serve now at the highest level and so there's you know there's that's like more of the like we're gonna we're gonna do the work of putting your essence into the world and then I'm just talking in circles there's rising sovereign that high level let's do this work for nine months together lots of access to me there's awaken her soul that that launches which you did launches Mm -hmm. in February March but I just like, if you want to just come hang out, join the membership, hang out with me once a month and just dip your toes in because it's a big year. And sometimes doing that deep work can feel really scary. Mm-hmm. And so just like getting a couple of journal prompts, dip your toes in. I'm hoping to really start writing this book on all of this. And that's where I'll be uh, sharing the book writing to the, the I people. I'm so membership. excited. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're, I'm, I'm excited you're setting too. a copy aside for me because I've been telling you that I just think when you write your story, when you decide what that what that gift is to the world, it's it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. And um, thank you. Watching watching you unfold you to the world mm-hmm. as you did was a, one was a gift because unfolding your personal life, your personal relationships, your personal journey in sexuality, that doesn't, uh, we're not owed that from you, Mm. right? But you gave it to us to be part of your journey in pieces and at the level that you wanted to, but it has been a a beautiful thing to watch um, you come to this, this incredibly sacred space. Mm, thank um, you. And uh, you know, I know Jamie's a six, so I bet we'd be best friends. But yeah, she's <laughs> great. <laughs> no, she just seems awesome, and I know that she's got some amazing things going on herself. Um, and she can co- you people can connect with that um aspect uh, often through your um social media as well. But yeah, she has we're going to be recording platform. some joint podcasts. Are you together? Good. Yeah, we're going to start a podcast series. I want to call it movement in musing, just to play on M's, but because she's, she's a, uh, a uh, 
I almost said she's a life coach. I'm the life coach. She is a yoga therapist and so much of her work is developmental movement. Mm. And it's been, we've kind of been dreaming up what would like retreats look like, you know, we're, it's weird yeah. in 2020 where like none of the normal stuff is happening. I know. Cause I was going to sign up for the next spiritual trauma retreat and I'm like, we're starting to plan it. <gasps> Yeah. There's only been one text message sent, but for those who are like, <laughs> no, I, I, it's on the so table. There. No, I'm so there. And, um, cause you guys have done, you've done some beautiful collaborations with people and beautiful conversations, beautiful guest um, podcasts. Mm. Um, and so I'm going to put all of your, you know, all your connections in um, yeah. show notes so that people can get connected with you. Um, but, um, I would recommend personally, if anybody wants to start with you beyond your um, your monthly um, community, that Awaken Her Soul is a beautiful place to mm-hmm. um, to find you and to um, to connect with some beautiful work that you're doing. Um, and you have beautiful guests uh, who come in and share with you, and um, it's some really great collaborations. So, of course, I'm always going to thank be- you. Um, but yeah, for the people who are curious about that, just go to awakenhersoul.com and get on the wait list. I should have just mentioned that first off. I'm just like, you know, floating around after yeah. like a weekend long retreat. <laughs> like, here's everything I do. No, go to awakenhersoul.com, get on the wait list. You can get $400 off by doing that, and everyone will be the first to know. And I will say that it was, um, you know, I had never spent money on myself in the way that I spent money in that year of Jess. And doing the work to, to contribute to myself, to my self-work mm. was a gift to me. And I know it affected the relationships around me, but yes. it was a gift to myself. And that was a one permission that I had never given myself before. So I would say anybody who has that inkling, get on the wait list, see what's ahead. Um, yes. Thank you so much, Madison, for um, sharing your time with me. Um, both mm. in Awake and Her Soul and here on this podcast. And um I, I look forward to all the good stuff that you still have to launch into the world because I think you're just beginning. Oh, I, you know what's so funny is you said, I feel like I'm just beginning and my immediate response, but I wanted to let you finish was, I hope that you always feel like you're just beginning. Yeah. And so I think that's so perfect. I hope that we both always feel like we're just getting started. Yeah. And one day we'll meet in person. I thought we were yeah. in Hawaii, but one day I will make it to one of those retreats um, <laughs> COVID or whatever. <laughs> COVID won't last forever. We'll, no, we'll it make was. it happen. Yeah, we're going to get there. So anyway, thank you so much, Madison. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. And may you keep connecting all the beautiful parts of you.